Andrew Womack Ministries presents part four in the Christian First Aid Kit, a six-part album. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Turn back over to John chapter 14 and continue talking about the Christian Survival Kit. That's what I called my teaching that I did like 25 or 30 years ago on uh, John 14, 15, and 16. This is an abbreviated version because we have only got five sessions and so I'm calling this the Christian First Aid Kit. Amen. Because <laughs> it's an abbreviated version. But I believe that this will really bless you. How many of you, this is your first session that you've made during this series of meetings? Could I see your hand? Praise God. A few, not too many. But we're glad to have you. I encourage you to get the CDs and DVDs. We've already got the pre the three previous services uh, duplicated on DV and, and uh, DVD and CDs. We'll have this morning's done just a few moments after the morning service. But basically, this is Jesus talking to his disciples as they entered into a terrible crisis period in between the crucifixion and the resurrection. They were going to be tempted to the max. And most people just assume that in a trial, in a terrible situation, that you just fail and then you pick up the pieces and you pray and you ask God to help you. But the Lord says I, in John 16, 1, I am speaking these things to you that you would not be offended, that you would not lose. They could have stood strong during this crisis time. And I believe that Jesus spoke these things to prepare his disciples so that they could have walked in victory. They could have avoided all of the pain, the grief, and the sorrow that they were going through when they had seen Jesus crucified. And he spoke things to them that were just really important. And I also believe that there's a sequence to it. He started in verse 1 by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. I believe that that's one of the very first things you have to do. When a crisis hits, you have to grab hold of your emotions you have to make a faith response instead of a, an emotional fear response. And how you start your battle in a crisis situation usually determines whether or not you win. So we talked about that on Thursday night. And then the next thing was have faith in God, which is the way that you keep your heart from being troubled. Then in verses 2 and 3, we talked about ha heaven. And I believe that the reason he mentioned heaven was in case your situation really is so bad that it just looks like that there's no way out. You can always just close your eyes and think about the promises that God has made about how you're going to prosper, how you will uh, be forever blessed in heaven, and you can keep a positive attitude and you can keep yourself encouraged and built up regardless of what's happening here in this natural realm. Last night I was talking about from verses 4 down through 11 about how you have to walk by faith. You have to see what's going on in the spirit. Or as Paul said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, we look at the things that can't be seen. That sounds impossible. If you can't see it, how can you look at it? And I tried to explain that last night, that you can see with your heart better than you can see with your eyes. And when you are in a crisis situation, when you have something really bad happening in your life, I'm telling you, you must move beyond the physical and get to where you can see with your heart, where you can have a perspective based on the Word of God and not just the bad reports that you're seeing or hearing in the world. That is so powerful. And it's amazing how many Christians just don't seem to be able to walk by faith. And yet this is the way God created us to be. 
I've actually got a teaching on this. I'm not going to teach it right now, but this is how God created Adam and Eve to be. I believe they had six senses instead of five senses. They were walking by faith and not by sight. That's the way that God created us to be. And when man sinned, we actually lost this ability. We started walking carnally instead of seeing with our heart. But now that we're born again, we can once again walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. So anyway, that's what we've already talked about. And those are things, I believe they're sequential too. You have to grab hold of your emotions. You have to operate in faith. You have to put it into perspective. Think about eternity and recognize that even if the devil was to kill you, it's no big deal. You're going to ultimately win. And that helps you to harness your emotions and control things. Then you have to walk by faith. The next thing in verse 12, I wish I, uh, in our original uh, Christian survival kit, I think I taught an, a whole hour on this. I'm just going to mention it and let it go. But look at this in John 14, 12. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. When you're in a crisis situation, you not only need to believe that God has the power, but you need to believe that God gave you this power. You need to believe in your authority. This is saying, verily, verily. That's a, the word verily means truly. Jesus is saying, truly, truly. Everything Jesus said was true. When he had to start something that he was saying by saying, truly, truly, I'm telling you the truth. It was because he knew people were just going to choke on this. This is going to sound too big to be true. And so people might have thought maybe he... Uh, he didn't mean what it sounds like. So he starts it off by saying, this is the truth. And he repeats it. He was telling them that if we believe on him, the works that he did, we shall do also. And it's not just talking about that God has this power. He's talking about if you're a believer, you have been given this power. One of the things that you need to recognize in a crisis situation is the authority that God has given us as a believer. And like I said, I could teach on this. I've got a series entitled The Authority of the Believer. And most Christians are asking God to heal, asking God to prosper, when the truth is God put this power on the inside of us. He said, you heal the sick. You cleanse the lepers. You raise the dead. Most Christians are asking God to do what he told us to do. And I know that that's a shock to some people. And they're thinking, you can't do this. Uh, it's not your power. I'm just nearly preaching on this. I'm not going to preach on this. I want to go on to something else this morning. But you need to find out your authority and start walking in authority, especially in a crisis situation. If you reduce yourself to a beggar and you come to the Lord and say, Oh God, it's just bigger than me. God, I can do nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing. Would you please move? You've just lost. Because you have stepped outside of what the Word says. You are saying that this situation is bigger than you. It's bigger than your carnal self, but you aren't just carnal. You are born again, and on the inside of you is the supernatural power of God. And if you ever step outside of your authority and get to identifying and saying, I'm only human, I'm just a man, you've lost. You aren't only human. One third of you is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost, and you've got to find out. You need to face your problems in the authority and the power of a believer and quit coming to God like a beggar, a destitute beggar, and instead coming as a person who's been filled with the power of God and you've got the authority in heaven and earth to do something. Use it. Boy, that's a great teaching. I could preach on that forever. 
But I want to move on past it. Let me just give one example of this. I was preaching on this probably 25 years ago in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I really spent an hour or more talking about how we have power and that Jesus said the same works that he do. And at the end of the verse, it says, and even greater works. And I find people all the time that are asking me, what are the greater works? What do you think he's talking about? And usually the way I answer that is say, look, until you do the works that he did, forget the greater works, amen. (laughs) Just uh, start here. And until you start seeing people raised from the dead and blind eyes open, deaf ears open, all of this stuff, don't even worry about the greater works. It's amazing how many people want to go on to the greater works. And I can debate that with you, but it's a moot issue. Until you get to where you're doing the first half of the verse, don't even worry about the second half of the verse. Amen. And I was preaching about how that we were commanded to heal the sick in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. And uh, anyway, the pastor of the church that I was at really got touched by that. And on Sunday after I left, he was up and he had been fasting the last uh, few days. I left on Wednesday and on uh, Sunday he got up in front of his church and he says, God had really borne this, uh, borne witness with this in his heart. And he says, we are going to see these miracles. And he said, we would do these things. We will see the dead raised. We are going to see blind eyes open. And he was up preaching on it and prophesying and proclaiming that they would do what Jesus said. That's a great way to respond. Amen. And while he was preaching, a man over here on his left stood up and grabbed his heart and fell over and dead, was dead. <laughs> and so Fred just, he didn't know what to do. And a woman was in the uh, audience who was a nurse and she checked him. And she said, he's dead. They called for 911 and the fire department was across the street and it took 20 minutes for him to get there. And while they were waiting on 911 to come, they were just all standing around and there's a dead guy laying on the floor and they were waiting on somebody to come get him and the pastor didn't know what to do. And so he says, well, let's pray. And he started praying. And as he was praying, it just dawned on him. I'd just been saying that we're going to see the dead raised. And so he walked over and says, in the name of Jesus, get up. And this guy just stood up and he was, he was raised from the dead. Amen. Pretty awesome. And right after he stood up is when the paramedics arrived and they took him to the hospital and they said, you're perfect, nothing wrong. And they dismissed him and he had to call for a cab and he came back and made the pastor pay for the cab. He says, I didn't want to go to the hospital. (laughs) But anyway, isn't that good that when you're in a crisis situation, you need to go to expecting the supernatural. And really, you need to start expecting before you get into a crisis. If you wait until the storm is blowing before you start trying to build your house, most of the time it's not going to work. You're going to have to run into your neighbor's home and weather the storm. It's better to build when there's no storm going. You need to start building yourself up. If right now everything is going good, take scriptures like this and meditate on it. You know, I took this verse and I started believing that I was going to see the dead raised. Because God said we should do it. And he said the works that he did. And I meditated on this. And I'm getting real close to preaching on this now. (laughs) It's hard to skip a verse. This verse has changed my life. It's just hard to skip over it and go on to something else. But I took these verses and meditated on it. And then six months time, I got to where in my imagination, I was raising people from the dead. I would dream at night and see 20 or 30 people raised from the dead. 
And then I saw a person raised from the dead. And I saw two people raised from the dead. And then I went about 15 years without seeing a person raised from the dead. And I was reading this and remembering about how I did that and how you take the word and you sow it in your heart. And if you expect it, it will come to pass. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You have to start hoping before faith can produce it. Faith only produces what has already been hoped for. You may not have faith to raise the dead right now, but you should start hoping. And hope will motivate your faith. And so I thought, it's been 15 years since I've seen a person raised from the dead. I need to start believing again. And I took these verses and started the process over. I got to where I was raising people from the dead in the sleep. And then my own son died. And praise God, because of this, we were able to speak and he came back to life. I'm telling you that the Lord wants to flow through miracles in every single one of us. And you've got to take scriptures like this and start building yourself up and anticipating and believing for it. If you don't believe for it, you won't get it. Amen. And either people are too occupied with this world and they're just too busy watching as the stomach turns on the television to do stuff like this. Or there's sometimes people are afraid to start shooting for things high. It's easier to shoot at nothing. You can hit it every time. But you can just, you start aiming high and start shooting for something. Some people are afraid, but what if it doesn't happen? Well, if you aim for the stars and hit the moon, that's still more than most people do. What if you start believing for people to be raised from the dead and you don't ever see that, but you start seeing blind eyes open and deaf ears open and people come out of wheelchairs? That's pretty good second place. (laughs) You need to start looking for something more. That's it. I'm through with that verse in the name of Jesus. So let me go on down and skip a few verses. In John chapter 14 and in verse uh, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Remember that Jesus is speaking to his disciples the night before the crucifixion. He's trying to prepare them. He's talking about a crisis situation. And he starts talking about sending the comforter. And throughout these three chapters, there's about five or six different places that Jesus started emphasizing the ministry of the Holy Spirit and talking about how important the Holy Spirit is. So let me just skip over and take a few of these verses and put them all together. And I want to talk about that when you're in a crisis situation, how absolutely important and essential the ministry of the Holy Spirit is in your life. And if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you must receive it in order to be able to succeed. And even if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you must use it in order to succeed. It's amazing how many people receive the Holy Spirit and don't ever use it. I was talking to someone just the other night about Catherine Kuhlman. I used to attend her meetings over here in Dallas and over here in Fort Worth. And I think we were in Fort Worth once. But anyway, I went to her meetings and uh, I remember in Dallas, she was at a full gospel businessman thing and they were all up talking about, I've had the Holy Spirit for 40 years. I've had it for 20 years. I I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 19 whatever. And they were talking about it. And Catherine Gulman got up and she said, some of you have had the Holy Spirit for 20 years, 30 years. She was calling out all of the 
numbers that they had used during your testimony. And then she stood up and she said, and you hadn't been full of the Holy Ghost a single day since. That's how she started her message. And it was true. It was true. These people weren't operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were carnal. There wasn't the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't love, joy, and peace. It was all one-upmanship and trying to outdo the other one in pride and arrogance and all kinds of things. And I mean, that is true. There are so many people that they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit back during the charismatic move, and they hadn't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit since then. If you are going to really succeed in a crisis situation, I just don't understand why people don't draw on the power of the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues and let the power of the Holy Spirit flow through them. But I meet people all of the time who are just crying, they're defeated, they're discouraged, and they come to me, and would you please help? And I start telling them about the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you been praying in tongues? No, they never even think about it. And yet the Bible says, this is the rest wherewith you cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. It says that you build yourself up and edify yourself when you pray in tongues. You've got a switch on the inside of you that all you've got to do is flip it. Just go to praying in tongues. And if you'll do it more than just a little emotional thing that you do for one sentence or something, if you will pray in tongues 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, just develop to where you speak in tongues, it's like flipping a switch on the power of God and it just starts this supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's amazing to me how people have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they can go a day, a week, a month, a year without ever using it. And then they wonder why they're getting the results that they've got. How dumb can we get and still breathe? Man, just having an experience where the Holy Spirit comes, but then not flowing in it, not depending on the Holy Spirit is not going to get it done. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit more during this time talking to his disciples than he did anything else. And the Holy Spirit wasn't even given yet in the sense that you and I have it. And yet he was telling them about the importance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them is what it says here. And he shall be in you. Even though they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them yet, he still talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit that was just with them. Today, now that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, how much more should we be dependent upon the Holy Spirit than we were before? And yet it's amazing how many quote-unquote spirit-filled Christians don't draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, we've got a treasure. We've got the greatest gift and we just don't draw on it. And so look at some of these verses over in verse 26. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have spoken unto you. Man, what a great scripture that is. The Holy Spirit is given to give us revelation. Teach us all things. It's amazing people that come to me and some of the questions, and you know, again, no, nobody starts a complete spiritual giant. You have to grow. There is a growth in the Christian life. You have to learn. But I meet people all of the time that are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old in the Lord, and they don't understand the basics. They don't understand anything. 
Probably, you could, you could ask David Hardesty to verify this, that probably one of the most common comments that we get, people say, I have been a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and I've learned more in two months watching your television program than I have learned in 30 years in church. That's a shame. I mean, it's wonderful that they're receiving, but it's a shame that people just aren't growing. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit gives revelation. This isn't just intellectual. It's not just something that you learn through your brain. You have to have it by revelation. You know, the things that the Lord is, has spoken to me that have changed my life. I'm, I could spend hours on this. But I was over in Dallas. We were at the Kingsley Place Apartments right after Jamie and I got married. And I would spend 10 to 12 hours a day just studying the Word. Studying, studying, studying. I had hundreds of scriptures that were ministering to me. But if you would have asked me, what do they mean? I couldn't have told you. I just, my heart was burning, but my head hadn't got it yet. And so I would study for 10 to 12 hours a day, month after month. And then after I'd studied for 10 or 12 hours, I'd go into our little closet in our apartment, move the shoes and sit in there and close the door because it's just a one bedroom apartment. And I'd pray in tongues for an hour or two. And ask God, to, God, show me what this means. And I did that every day for months, probably at least six months. And prayed over this. And then, long story, but the bottom line is in one week's time, it's like an atomic bomb went off on the inside of me. And I got revelation. I saw things that I had never seen, that I'd never heard anybody else say. And basically, I am preaching today what I saw 40-something years ago through praying in tongues and studying the word and asking God to give me revelation. And it came by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And that speaking in tongues and seeking God was an important part of it. And yet most people just don't put any effort into it. God, I've got five minutes before my favorite show comes on. And if you can change my life in the next five minutes, have at it. And that's about the way that it works. But the Lord said, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search with all of your heart. And the Holy Spirit is so important. Man, it's, it's essential. He is sent to teach us all things. What's included in all things? All things. And bring to your remembrance whatsoever the Holy Spirit has spoken unto you. How many times have you ever been shown something by the Lord and you think, oh, I got it. And then you go a few months or a year and you have another crisis come up and you're, you're already in trouble before you remember. Oh man, God told me this. I should have done this. And you wonder what's going on. You didn't remember it because we haven't been flowing in the Holy Spirit. If we give place to the Holy Spirit and depend upon the Holy Spirit in our life, he will bring things to your remembrance. He'll make you look smart. If you lean under your own understanding, that's the reason we get into all of the trouble that we've got. Boy, these are powerful verses. I use this verse a lot. In chapter 15, he said down here in verse 26, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Again, this is talking about that the Holy Spirit gives revelation of Jesus. When Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus with his two disciples, it says, Then opened he, in Luke 24, 45, Then opened he their understanding that they, that they might understand the scriptures. 
You know, I don't have the words to explain this properly, but the Word of God isn't written to your head. It's written to your heart. It's revealed from faith to faith. It's spirit to spirit. That's not to say that it's not logical. It is logical, but it's not the wisdom of this world. It's a spiritual wisdom that has to be revealed to you. Revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit. And these men were walking with Jesus and didn't recognize him and couldn't receive. And then Jesus opened their understanding. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what all of these verses are talking about. The Holy Spirit just gave them revelation knowledge. You know, I was just in um, Hong Kong and there's the son of the man who was the pastor in Hong Kong wrote a book about a subject that, man, I have never heard another person in my life teach on. And it's something that the Lord showed me 40 years ago, and I've never heard another person ever confirm it. Matter of fact, I've quit preaching on it pretty much because everybody gave me such a hard time about it. And he wrote a book, and I started reading it, and I'm amazed at the revelation this guy's got. And I was really blessed by it, and I started talking to them, and his parents told me that he had a man come and prophesy over him and lay hands on him and use that scripture Luke 24, 45, open their understanding. And he saw the Lord and he just has received supernatural revelation. And it really impressed me. It really touched me. And I believe that this can, this can happen. This is what happened to me in part back when I was describing it to you. The Holy Spirit has to reveal things to you. But it's not going to happen if we aren't sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if we aren't listening to the Holy Spirit. And most of us spend so much time in our natural mind and not in our heart that it hinders the Holy Spirit. We think in the carnal realm and we don't listen to the Spirit of God. Man, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is talking about. Look at this in chapter 16. This is an amazing scripture. In verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. What a radical scripture that is. Jesus is saying to his disciples, It's better for you that I leave. The Holy Spirit is actually better than me as far as his ministry because Jesus in his physical body was limited to one place. He couldn't be in every place. The Holy Spirit will be everywhere. The Holy Spirit will be inside them, giving them supernatural inspiration. Instead of guiding them from the outside like a horse or a mule that you put a bridle in their mouth and you turn them by pain and things like that, the Holy Spirit comes in and He's the comforter. And He inspires us and He's inside of every one of us. And Jesus is saying it's actually to your advantage. That's what the word expedient means. It's better to have the Holy Spirit than it is to have Jesus. That's a radical statement. Some of you might think, well, that's heresy. How dare you say that? Jesus said it. It is expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go away, I will send him unto you. You know, most of us, if I hadn't read this scripture and I said, which would you rather have? The Holy Spirit, just like we have today in us and among us, where two or three are gathered together, there the Holy Spirit is among us. How many of you would rather have this or would you rather have Jesus in his physical body walk down the aisle? If I hadn't built up to this, nearly every Christian in here, oh man, I'd love to see Jesus in his physical body walk down here. Jesus says it's better to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
Most of us would be thrilled to be one of Jesus' disciples and walk with him and hear him speak and see him with your physical eyes. Jesus says it's better what we have. That is just nearly hard to believe. That's because we don't value the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit the way that Jesus taught. Having the Holy Spirit with us is powerful. We are God-possessed people. And yet, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm trying to open up our eyes. But most of us are living just like our neighbors that don't even know the Lord. When they talk about some swine flu, some sickness coming through, the Christians run and hide and panic and get fearful the same way that people that don't, aren't God-possessed. When they talk about recession, the Christians plan for defeat just the same as people that don't even have God on the inside of them. Christians are afraid just the same way. You know, when 9-11 happened, man, I talked to many, many Christians. Said, I'll never fly again. They just lost all of their fear and their confidence and stuff and people panicked. There are Christians that are afraid of heights. They're afraid of dogs. They're afraid of this. They're afraid of everything. They have a spirit of fear. Because they aren't walking in the love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit inside of you ought to make you different. It has the potential to change every one of us, but it's not going to happen unless you renew your mind. It has to be a combination. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside, but then you have to renew your mind and be bold and mix it with faith. And there are just so many Christians that are living like they're nothing but a mere man or woman. That's the reason I hate that old song about, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. That song will kill you. I am not only human. I am not just a man. I'm wall to wall Holy Ghost. I've got the power of God living on the inside of me. I ought to expect something different. I should expect victory. I should expect power. I ought to expect more than a person that doesn't know the Lord. There ought to be a difference between a person who's alive and one that's dead. Amen. A friend of mine was holding a church service and a guy died. They called 911 and they took out half the congregation for they found the dead man. Man, you look alive. The buzzards are coming. Praise God. We need to, we need to show some life. We need to start living in some victory. The Holy Spirit should make you different than somebody else. And yet I know Christians that are as defeated and discouraged and, and hurt and pain as a person that doesn't have God. This just does not compute. I can't, I can understand it in a sense because they just are ignorant, are totally not using what they have. But if you have the Holy Spirit, all you got to do is just start speaking in tongues and boom, the power of God is released. It's like having an atom and speaking in tongues splits the atom and releases the power that's on the inside of it. And if you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in tongues and aren't using it, I just don't really feel real sorry for you. Because you got everything. You got the power of God and you just aren't using it. And you're sitting there watching as the junk all the junk that's on television and sitting there not using it and crying and, oh God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? Use what you got. That's better preaching than you're listening. 
I'm not saying these things to be mean to anybody, but I'm saying, brothers and sisters, we just, we don't appreciate the Holy Spirit. Most of us don't have this opinion that Jesus gave of the Holy Spirit, that it's better for the Holy Spirit to be in you than it is to have me here in my physical body. Not because Jesus is wrong, we're wrong in our assessment and value on what the Holy Spirit should do. Man, the Holy Spirit will quicken you. The Holy Spirit will speak things to you. You know, I'm not going to take time, but we had things happen in China that in the logic, in the natural, here's logic, what you should do. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, don't do it. Everybody was shocked. Jamie was shocked. Everybody was shocked. And I said, I don't feel peace about it. I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to do it. So I didn't do it. It shocked everybody. And did you know what? In a couple of days, it turned out that that was one of the smartest decisions I've ever made in my life. Man, I would have missed out on major miracles if I hadn't have followed the peace that's in my heart. How many times did every one of us, the Holy Spirit speaking to you constantly, 24 hours a day, but we lean unto our own understanding. We walk by our own logic instead of letting the Spirit of God lead us. And as a result, we just have problem after problem after problem that could have been avoided. As a matter of fact, I'm skipping a few verses. I hate to do this. These are some of my favorite verses. I've got a whole series entitled The Positive Ministry of the Holy Spirit that covers John 16, 8 through 11. But let's jump down to verse 13. It says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will tell you that, hey, you're headed in a direction that you're about to have a problem. You're going to get sick if you don't take care of yourself. You're going to have a financial problem. The Holy Spirit spoke to Jamie in 2008 and told us to take all of the money that we had in the stock market. She got an inheritance from her father's death. And we put a, you know, it's not a huge sum compared to some, but it's all the money we had. And we put it in this stock market and invested it. And the Lord told her, says, take it out. We took it out and boom, here comes a recession. And the stock market went down 50%. Holy Ghost will show you things to come. I wish the Holy Spirit would have spoken to me. I don't believe God's a respecter of persons. I don't believe he spoke to us and didn't speak to you. God speaks to everybody, but we don't listen. I bet you every person in here at some time or another has had a decision to make. You've prayed and you've asked God for wisdom. You felt like doing something, but wisdom just said, you know, you should do this. You know, it looked like circumstances. You got counsel. And so anyway, you went with logic. It didn't work. And then you say, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit that was speaking to you. I had a situation in Pritchett, Colorado, where there was uh, three elders in the church and they were custom combiners and they followed the weed harvest. And when it came time for the weed harvest and they were going to have to leave, they felt like they needed an elder in the church that would stay there with the church and be there to help me run the church. And so they suggested this one guy to be an elder. And this guy was, at, uh, this church used to burn Hagen and Copeland books and say they were of the devil. And I came in there and we saw a man raised from the dead and they just couldn't argue with it. What do you say? So anyway, I became the pastor, but they still didn't like anything I was teaching. And they were fighting me tooth and toenail. And this man 
was a graduate of Rama and liked me and supported me. He's the only person in the church that really supported me. And so he was a friend. He was nice to me. He was excited about the teaching that I had and they wanted to make him an elder. And I prayed about it. I said, I don't, I don't feel good about it. I just don't think he ought to be the elder. Why not? I said, I don't have a reason. I just don't feel good about it. And they said, well, he supported you when nobody else would. And I said, I know. I, th- I like him. He's a nice guy. I just don't feel good about it. And uh, anyway, over a period of a few days, it's getting close to when they had to leave. They just put pressure on me. Give me a reason why you don't like him. I said, I don't have a reason. I just don't feel good about it. And anyway, they backed me into a corner and I said, okay. So we anointed him to be an elder, put him into the deal. They left and within two days, this man started a campaign telling people I had committed adultery, that I was on dope, I'd been drunk, I'd been having sexual relationships, that he just lied. He started everything he could and tried to destroy me, got up in front of the church and tried to take the church away from me, turned into the devil himself. And as soon as that happened, I said, I knew in my heart I wasn't supposed to do that. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And I did not follow the peace of the Holy Spirit And I made a decision right there and I said, I'll never do that again. And I I may have missed it, but I can't remember anything important that when I don't feel peace about, I just don't do it. I mean, and that's what happened to me in China. I didn't feel peace about doing something, so I didn't do it. It didn't look logical and it turned out to be exactly the right thing. You know what that is? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And yet most people lean under their own understanding. They operate out of their carnal ability. They don't depend on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will show you when there's a problem ahead. If we would listen to the Holy Spirit, we would avoid so many things. And yet we just don't follow the Holy Spirit. We do our own thing. We get in trouble. And then after we've made a royal mess, go to God and try and believe our way out of it. I'm telling you, there's a better way to live. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, telling them things that are going to happen, trying to prepare them. And he's inspiring them and telling them the Holy Spirit is essential. The Holy Spirit is important. You need to respond to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying the same thing this morning. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got something better than Jesus physically in his physical body being here. That's not my opinion. That's Jesus' own assessment. We've got the Holy Spirit and we aren't drawing on it. We aren't yielding to it. We aren't expecting. And because of it, we aren't getting the results that we should. I tell you, we need to be flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit much, much, much more than what we are. At our meetings, it's not uncommon to see 100, 200 people born again, I mean, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit during a meeting. And people just get transformed. They get changed. I go into Spirit-filled churches. Churches that were started during the charismatic revival. And I'll see hundreds of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And of course, there's a lot of visitors that come to churches. And so it's not just all them. But I mean, even spirit-filled churches don't emphasize the Holy Spirit anymore. They don't put the emphasis on it. There are many Christians right here, spirit-filled Christians who have the Holy Spirit, that you have been days, weeks, without yielding to the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues flowing in the gifts, desiring for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
That is a recipe for disaster. I just don't know how people live that way. Well, I, I know what the result of it is. It's what all, all of the people that are coming for prayer and all of the problems that they got. That's how they get in this mess. It's because they didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. He was trying to tell you what to do. You know, when we built this previous building, I, I bought the building for $3.2 million that we, our ministry is currently in, but there was only 10,000 square feet that was finished out. The rest was uh, 110,000 square foot of just open warehouse space. And so we had to uh, build it out and finish it out, and it was going to be $3.2 million to develop it and make it so that our school and offices would fit in it. And when I bought the building, they told me that the construction loan to do the other was available and that we'd have it within a week. Well, we bought the building in December, and nine months later, they were still saying, well, next week, next week, next week. We hadn't gotten the money, and, and we were just stymied, and our ministry was really uh, needing the new facilities. And so then they came to me, and they said, well, let's start the whole process over. Let's get a new appraisal. It's been so long. Let's just start the whole thing over. And all I could see was nine more months of saying next week, next week. And I finally said, something's wrong. And I said... Uh, God, I need a word. I need to know what's going on. So I took the scriptures that talk about when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Your spirit is praying. And it's the spirit part that has the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. You have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3, 10. Be renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him in your new man. And I, I knew it was my spirit. In my spirit, I have the mind of Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 20. You have the mind of Christ. That's not something that's out there that you can appropriate and ask for. You've already got it. But it's not in your brain. It's in your spirit. In your spirit, you know all things. So in my spirit, I knew I had perfect knowledge. I just needed to get it out into the physical so I went home and I started praying in tongues. And I said, Father, I'm going to pray in tongues because 1 Corinthians 14, 14, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, when I pray in tongues, pray also that I interpret. And so I said, I'm going to speak the hidden wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, when you're speaking in tongues, you are speaking the hidden wisdom of God. That's, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 6, combination with 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 4. And I said, I'm going to be speaking forth the hidden wisdom of God. And I pray that I interpret. And so I started praying in tongues. I've got this trail that I walk. And I wasn't any further than from here to the back of this auditorium praying in tongues and saying, oh, God, give me wisdom. Show me what to do. And by the time I got that far asking God to interpret it, he brought back to me a prophecy that was given to me that says, for this building, you are not going to need a bank. You already have a bank. And I thought, what was that? And it went on, the prophecy went on to say, your partners are your bank. And your partners will supply all of this money and you'll be able to build that thing out debt free. That had been over a year before and I got busy trying to locate the building and do things. And I just honestly forgot because I wasn't dependent upon the Holy Spirit the way I should. And when we got into this situation, I said, God, give me an answer. Show me what to do. I prayed in tongues, said, give me an interpretation. Boom, the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance, John 14, 26, a prophecy, told me my partners were the bank, spoke to me. Now, this was a big decision because at the rate we had been saving money 
if, if um, I decided not to take out a loan and I was just going to trust my partners to do it, at the rate the money had come in, I sat down and figured it out it would take over 100 years for us to get $3.2 million. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> and I thought about it and... Plus, we had just expanded. We had nearly doubled our television expense, so our expense had doubled. And here I was believing for $3.2 million extra without taking out a loan. I was just going to trust my partners to do it. And yet, at the rate money had been coming in, it could take 100 years. If it took 100 years to finish out this facility, it would have killed the ministry. It would have destroyed us. And yet, I'm really convicted. The Lord says that a man of integrity will swear to his own hurt and change not. If I said I'm not going to do it debt, uh, in debt, then if somebody came to me the next day and offered me all of the money I need, I wouldn't have taken it because that w- I would have, if I say that I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So I knew it was an important decision. And even though I felt like God just spoke to me and I interpreted that tongues and knew what to do, I prayed about it for a couple of weeks before I really committed myself to it because I wasn't going to do it lightly. And I finally came in and I told David, I said, I believe this is what God wants us to do. And we are not going to take out a loan. If somebody offers me all of the money I need tomorrow, I won't take it. Guess what happened? The next day, a bank that we had been dealing with says, you need more than 3.2. You need 4 million. We're ready to give you $4 million. And I said, too late. Already got it. Wouldn't accept it. And I just believe that was a word from God. And did you know in 14 months from that time, we had that finished and moved into debt-free. Turned out to be one of the best things that we ever did. And you know how that happened? By praying in tongues, flipping the switch, letting the Holy Spirit speak to me. You can pray in tongues and interpret your tongue. That's not just for the church assembly. I admit that the number one use of 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about how tongues, the gift of speaking in tongues, should operate in a church assembly. But Paul also said things in 1 Corinthians 14 like, I speak in tongues more than you all, more than everyone added together. And yet he said in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So it wasn't in the church that he did all of this. He was also talking about tongues, how it operates in our private Life And so it's not limited to that. Yes, if there is a message in the church, it needs to be interpreted. But you can also, if you pray in tongues, you can pray that you interpret it. And this wisdom that your spirit is speaking, the part of you that has the mind of Christ, you can interpret it. God can speak through you and tell you things. This is how I get a tremendous amount of revelation. I pray in tongues a lot and ask God to interpret it. And God supernaturally shows me things. He gives me creative ideas. He gives me ways of doing things that wouldn't happen otherwise. This building that we were talking about, the property and stuff, the the Lord started in the early part of 2009. And as I prayed in tongues, I just had an expectancy that, man, it's time to grow again. Something's going to happen. The Lord was showing me things to come. I prayed in tongues and believed. And then I had a meeting with Oral Roberts that like lit my fuse And help me, I came back and as I prayed in tongues, things just started happening. I thought it could have taken a year or two and within a week, (laughs) we had uh, 
come to the conclusion and God had done this and, and things just worked supernaturally. But the Holy Spirit was an important part of all of that and praying in tongues. You know, when I first experienced this was over in Arlington, Texas, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I would just spend two, three, four hours a day praying in tongues. And back then, I was still in the Baptist church. They were telling me that everything was of the devil, that it was demon tongues, and I was having to fight thoughts that this is just me or worse, the devil. And yet I knew it was God, and I just had to keep my finger on the scriptures that says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And I just forced myself. That's the reason I was praying in tongues hours a day was to stand in faith and overcome my doubt and unbelief about it. And I was praying in tongues. And, and anyway, I was praying in tongues one day for a couple of hours at my house over in Arlington, and a guy knocked on the door and came to the door. And when I opened the door, it was a guy that I used to go to church with in the, in the previous Baptist church. And he was standing there and he was crying. And he didn't even say hi. I hadn't seen him in four years. He didn't say hi. He didn't do anything. He just walked in and sat down and started crying and just like pouring out all of his problems and telling me everything that was happening. And my first thought when I saw that was, oh man, here's a guy that needs help. I could have been doing something constructive. Instead, I've been speaking in this gibberish. It was my doubts coming up. And then my next thought was, how would I have known to pray for this guy? Hadn't seen him in four years. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, this is what you've been praying about for two hours. And I was still in the Baptist church. It was real new to me operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when I saw that faith rose and I just stopped him in mid-sentence and I said, let me tell you what's going on. And I started telling him what had happened to him and what was going on. And this guy, like I said, hadn't seen me in four years. He, he had never heard of the Holy Spirit and it scared him, but he, it, he knew it was God. And I mean, this man got totally delivered and set free. And through that, I realized, you know what? I was praying for this man. And I began to start realizing that when I would walk and just pray in tongues, you have to do something with your mind. It's not your mind praying when you're praying in tongues. It's your spirit. And so your mind's got to do something. It can't just be switched off, contrary to what some people look like. Your mind is always working. And if you're praying in tongues, if it's truly tongues, your brain's not doing it. So what do you do with your mind? Either your mind's going to be wandering, looking at the lights, looking at the trees, the color of something, thinking about what you're going to have for lunch, or you have to stay your mind on the Lord to really couple it with praying in tongues. And so I would start praying with my understanding while I was praying in tongues. And I'd just spend a couple of hours praying with my understanding mentally while I was speaking in tongues. And I started learning that I would be Praying and all of a sudden people that I hadn't seen in months, years, people that I hadn't thought of, never would have thought of would come to my mind. And I'd start praying and interceding for them. And then within 24 hours, I'd see that person. And this happened so many times, even my lightning fast mind began to figure out that, you know, there's something going on here. And when I was praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit was making intercession through me and praying for people. And I began to recognize that God will show you things to come. God will give you revelation. And I pray in tongues a lot. And brothers and sisters, I'm just saying that this is one of the keys. Jesus emphasized this more during these three chapters, talking to his disciples the night before his crucifixion, than anything else that he talked about. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the most powerful things you can possibly have. And sad to say, some people had it. They received it. They got a little goosebump. They got an excitement. It gave them a confidence that they got it. And once they got it, they hadn't used it since. You need to get to where you don't ever get over getting the Holy Spirit. You ought to be so excited about the Holy Spirit in your life. You ought to be listening. You need to listen. You need to expect to be led. Now, there's a lot of things that need to be balanced with this. You can't just take any feeling that comes to you. And there's a lot of things that probably need to be said to balance this. But I just hadn't got time today to do everything. But I'm just saying that the Holy Spirit is sent to lead us into all truth. To teach us all things. Bring all things to our remembrance. To show us things to come. To convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And yet we aren't yielding to the Holy Spirit. We're living by our own strength and power, walking under our own ability, using our own logic and messing everything up and then running to God, asking God to fix it. Man, it'd be much better to prevent it. It'd be much better to just hear the Lord saying, this is the way, walk in it and follow Him and avoid all of these problems. Amen or oh me. We need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be center point in our life, a focus. We need to be expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to us. If you would listen to that still, small voice on the inside of you, He would save your bacon. He would keep you from getting in trouble. The Holy Spirit will make you look good. Amen? This example I was talking about in China, it turned out, you know, within 24, 48 hours, everybody saw the wisdom of it and everybody thought, man, that was good what you did. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't know why I did it. I just didn't feel peace. I've learned to follow that. And you know what? The Holy Spirit makes you look good. I made a decision that exposed me to a man with 200,000 churches that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I'd have missed that if I'd have just gone by the plan that we had. Man, it's important that you listen to the Holy Spirit. What are we missing that God is wanting to do in your life? How many times have people just gone out and married the first person they lusted after and didn't follow the witness of the Holy Spirit? And you put your whole life to where you're in jeopardy and struggling because you didn't listen and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. How many times have we gone out and done business deals, taken jobs, done things because... This seemed like the wisdom to do, but you didn't feel right about it in your heart. How many people are in here today that are just going through the motions and yet in your heart, like what Wendell's talking about, you really desire to go to a Bible college or to do something. You don't want to just be doing the same thing 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and yet you're afraid and you're letting fear and the fact that we have... 10 mortgages going and we got a, we're, we're in debt up to our ears and so we just continue down this path that we're on and you're going against what's in your heart and against the leading of the Holy Spirit and your life is messed up. It's going to lead to a divorce, to a breakdown, a heart attack. You're overtaxed and yet we just violate all of this and continue to walk down this road and the Holy Spirit speaking to you and trying to tell you that there's something more and we don't listen. I tell you, it's just crazy the way that people live. I'm trying to encourage us today that the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that God ever gave 
to the body of Christ. He is sent to lead us into all truth, to show us these things, show us things to come. It's better than having Jesus physically present with you, and yet most of us don't value the Holy Spirit that way. We don't listen to the Holy Spirit. And because of it, we're paying a price. Man, we need to change it. Today would be a great day to change it. Today would be a great day to say, Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I want to yield to the Holy Spirit. I want to listen. Teach me how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Teach me how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Teach me how to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that ought to be your response to this. It ought to make every one of us want to be more under the control and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll do that, the Holy Spirit will make you look good. The Holy Spirit would change your life. If you don't get up in the morning just excited about what a great day, I can guarantee you, you hadn't found God's will for your life. God's plan for your life will be satisfying. It will bless you. It will make you to where you are excited about life and you have enthusiasm about the future. The Holy Spirit's got more for you than what most of us are doing. And yet most people just aren't following the Holy Spirit. We're following the way our parents did it. The way that everybody else is doing. We're plugged into the carnal world and letting it dominate us. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is with you. If He isn't in you, He can get in you today. We can solve that problem. He wants to inhabit you. He wants to give you leadership. And once you receive, if you will just learn to respond to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will change your life. Praise God. You know, I know some of you don't, you aren't impressed with uh, us and our ministry, and that's okay. But you know what? I remember when Jamie and I were starving. I remember when we struggled. It looked like if we would have died, people, it would have taken weeks for them to find us. We didn't have a phone. Nobody could have called. They'd have just had to smell us and come around. <laughs> we were just going nowhere, and it looked like we were never going to succeed. And yet we just yielded to the Lord and the Word and the Holy Spirit. And God has done miraculous things in our life. He has changed our life. We are seeing people's lives change. These testimonies that we've heard about of the healing through the Internet, through these meetings. Did you know these are lives that are changed because of things that we did 20, 30, 40 years ago seeking the Lord? It's all the Holy Spirit. I am convinced that every one of us, you may not be called to be in ministry or be on television. You may not be called to do what I'm doing, but God wants to take every life in here and lead you in a direction that is going to make you feel so satisfied, so fulfilled. There are people that you can reach that I'll never reach. Man, we spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on television and radio, and yet every person in here knows people that will never hear of me. I'll never impact their life. You have people that you contact every day that you could be used by the Holy Spirit to touch them and to change their life. And yet many of us just are so busy with all the things we're doing, we don't yield to the Holy Spirit. I tell you, you could turn that around. You could make a decision today. Let the Holy Spirit start leading you, show you the purpose for your life. Start fulfilling it and make it so that, man, there's people's lives changed because of what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. 
Every one of you, whether you're in full-time ministry or not, you ought to be a channel for the Holy Spirit to go out and release His life into this world. And yet it's not working that way in the body of Christ, primarily because we aren't being led by the Holy Spirit. We're being led by our emotions, led by all of the junk and the bad news on television and radio. I'm telling you, we need to make some changes. And so today would be a great day to make that decision and just commit yourself that you're going to let the Holy Spirit start flowing through you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Anybody in here feel a need to respond better to the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I do. All of us should. You know, let me say that if you aren't born again, you first of all have to be born again before you can receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always going to point you to Jesus. And you've got to receive Jesus before you receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. You can't access the Holy Spirit without Jesus. So if you aren't born again, you must be born again. And then once you get born again, Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't tell anybody. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I know that that's not all that there is to it. There are people that are opposed to that. But I tell you, this is one of the reasons that Satan fights it so hard is because of the things I've talked about today. When you start speaking in tongues, it doesn't make sense to your physical mind. It's not your mind praying, it's your spirit praying. And this is the reason it's so powerful. Because for you to continue to speak in tongues, more than just say one word as an exclamation, because you got a goosebump going up and down your spine. If you speak in tongues on a continual basis, I guarantee you your physical mind is going to fight it. You're going to say, this is foolish. I don't understand. And you will have doubt and unbelief rise up. And for you to persist speaking in tongues, you have to get beyond the carnal, out of the natural, and take a step into faith or you will quit praying in tongues. And that's why the Bible says in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, that you build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you build up yourself on your most holy faith. That's showing that there are different amounts of faith that you can operate in. You operate in your most holy faith. The next verse says you keep yourself in the love of God. You don't have to ask God to encourage you and build you up. He's already given you the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues and it'll keep you in the love of God. It'll keep you stirred up. It'll keep you excited about God. You need to be speaking in tongues. If you don't have that gift, you need to receive it. And I believe there's people in here who have it, who haven't been using it. That's a separate issue. But first of all, you've got to receive it before you can use it. Is there anybody in here today who would say, man, I don't have this gift of speaking in tongues. I haven't received it, but I'd like to receive it. Would you pray with me? Anybody here like that? Here's a few people back here. Praise the Lord. People all over. Anybody else? We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. 
Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.